I am the handsome husband. Thank you, beautiful wife, Rochelle. <laughs> um, if we've never met before, my name is Grant, and if we've met before, my name is still Grant. <laughs> Comedian said that once. Anyway, um, I've been coming to Trinity for about five years, and I know a lot of you have been, or a few of you have been around longer than me, um, but we've got a lot of new people, so I just wanted to welcome you. Um, I love being a part of Trinity and what we're doing here in Chicago, so um, yeah, I just love being able to be a part of this church uh, and be a part of God's mission here. And so I'm humbled to be able to give the message today. Uh, today we are going to be finishing a long series of sermons we've been doing um, in the book of Hebrews. So we're going to be finishing up in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 to 25. Um, so you can get head, like head on your Bible app or whatever you've got with you uh, to Hebrews 13. Uh, but before we jump into the scripture today... Um, I just want to give a little bit of background on the Hebrew series we've been doing. Um, from time to time, our church likes to just take one book of the Bible and preach through it from the beginning to the end. And so we just go verse by verse. And this is one we've been doing for a long time. Um, we usually just start at the beginning of the book and go Sunday by Sunday, and then we take a break. And then the next year, we pick up where we left off. And then year after year, we keep going through it until we finish Hebrews or until we, we finish the book. And Hebrews is one of our longest-running series that we've been doing that way. So um, today it's coming to an end, and we're going to be in Hebrews 13, in the very last chapters. Uh, before I read the, chap or read the verses, I wanted to share a little bit of what our church, or what was going on in the world, what was going on in the church when we started this Hebrew series, because it was a long time ago. Uh, we started the Hebrew series on April 20th, 2014, I believe. It was quite a few years ago. It was a couple years before I came to Trinity. Uh, so when we started this Hebrew series, Jay Leno was still hosting The Tonight Show. Uh, the song of the summer was Problem by Ariana Grande featuring Iggy Azalea. Right? Oh, okay. Um, our church... <laughs> well, uh, here's one you'll know. Victor Orban Fides was re-elected Prime Minister of Hungary that year. I, yeah, that's when we started the Hebrew series, yeah. Um, our church, way back then, we were not meeting in this building. We were meeting in the school in Lakeview where we used to meet. I believe we were in that school building. If you were, okay, if you were there when we started the Hebrew series, you can correct me if it was in a different location. Uh, but we were meeting in a school, and when we started our Hebrew series, um, if you've been around a while, you'll probably remember this. It was our first ever Easter egg hunt, Greg Tiffany uh, had just launched our first ever community Easter egg hunt where we invite a bunch of members of the community and we had a bunch of volunteers. We've done that like year after year up until COVID and it's always been a big, uh, big thing with our church. So the very first time we did it was the day before the, the Hebrew series started. So just thought I'd point that out. We've been doing this for a while and so it's kind of a momentous occasion to end such a long sermon series. So let's dive in. Uh, to the scripture today, Hebrews 13, 20 through 25. If you don't have a Bible, it should be up on the screen behind me. Um, you can find it on your phone. And we actually have free Bibles at our church. If you'd like to take one of the blue Bibles in the pews or out in the lobby, feel free to take one of those home with you when you leave today. Hebrews 13, 20 through 25. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, 
equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Okay, so Hebrews. Hebrews is written kind of like a letter. If you know the New Testament, you know Paul wrote a lot of letters to specific churches. It was just like a letter written from him specifically to a group of people. This uh, book of Hebrews is written sort of like a letter, uh, but it's also kind of like a sermon. Uh, We don't exactly know who the author of Hebrews is. That's something that's debated. But we know that the audience of this sermon was or were Jewish Christians. So Christians, they were originally Jewish. They followed the God of the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they, like many people, had come to believe um, in Jesus, that Jesus was God, that he was the God talked about in the Old Testament. And so they were Jewish Christians uh, that this book is written to. It was written to a specific people group, and it had a message specifically for them. But I want us to know that uh, this book is living and active, and so the message is also for us. And if you're like me, when you get to the end of these books, if you notice the end of different letters that Paul writes, he ends with some kind of benediction, some kind of blessing to the people, and he kind of just greets them and talks about Um, kind of just closing remarks to the letter. Um, He talks about wanting to see them soon. And if you're like me, when you get to the end of one of these books, you start to tune out because it feels kind of like the information doesn't really pertain to you. It's just uh, information written to those specific people. Kind of like at the end of a YouTube video when you got all the information you want and they're just like, thanks guys, thanks for watching my video. Um, I've got a lot of other videos like this, so please, you know... Please like my video because I need likes and please subscribe. But you know, like once the YouTuber starts rambling like that at the end of the video, like you got all you came to the video for. You can just click to the next one or you can just X out of YouTube or whatever. And I know this because I upload YouTube videos. I upload bread recipe videos and I get to see on the back end how many people are Xing out of my videos and what exact time they're clicking off. So usually it's in the last... 30 seconds, whenever you see the bread, you see the, the recipe come out, and then like 30 seconds, a minute, 50% of the people just X out, and they're gone. And I don't really blame them, because they got the recipe, they saw the bread, bye, that's fine. Um, but I don't want us to treat the Bible like that, obviously. Like, there is, there is so much theology and so much uh, value in this last part of the book of Hebrews. There's so much stuff God has for us in this part. It's not something, it's not just pointless closing remarks. These are actual valuable things. So I think God has three things for us today in this closing section of Hebrews called the benediction, okay? Um, I believe the author of Hebrews was asking God for three things for the readers, and those things can apply to us as well. He's asking God to equip us with everything good, He's asking God to work out pleasing things in us. And he wants us to give glory to Jesus. He wants to give glory to Jesus through 
us, okay? Equip us with everything good, work out pleasing things in us, and give glory to Jesus. And those are the three things I want to highlight from this ending of Hebrews. Let's start with uh, the first one. God wants to equip us with everything good. When I hear that, I think it almost sounds too good to be true when I hear that God wants to equip me with good things, wants to give me good things. And I think for the average person, there can be a danger when hearing that. And we can take that down a wrong path that it's not meant to go. Uh, so we need a little maturity from the Holy Spirit, I think, when we, when we read the Bible. We need the Holy Spirit to make it alive and let us know what it means. So in verse 20 and 21, um, I'll, read that, I'll read that again. It says, Now may the God of peace, and I'll skip forward to 21, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Okay, so I believe the mature listener, someone who's hearing this through the Holy Spirit, uh, should know that he's equipping us with everything good for a purpose, that we can do his will. So what is his will? Well, the word will literally just means what God wants. What God wants, what he desires, what he wants us to do. So God wants to equip us today, wants to equip us as believers with everything good so that we can do his will. And I think the first thing uh, that we need to be equipped with from God is a new mindset. Uh, in Romans 12, 2, Paul says something like this. He says, um, be renewed or be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That is like a mindset shift. When we're new believers, when you believe in Jesus for the first time, the Bible calls you a new creation. You're actually a new creature. You're a new being, and you can't think the way you used to. So we need a new type of mindset. I think we need a mindset that says that everything I have, everything that God gives me, my possessions, uh, my abilities, my uh, gifts from the Holy Spirit, anything that I have is from God first, and it's also for God. Anything I have is from God and for God. So with that mindset, I think God wants to equip his believers. He wants to equip people that believe in him with that mindset, and then he wants to give them many, many good things. Uh, so when the benediction of Hebrews, it says, equip you with everything good, I think that can be a lot of things that we would tend to like. It can be time, money, spiritual gifts, relationships, but they may not look, you may not feel like you're being equipped in the way that you want it to be, because time Money, relationships, uh, spiritual gifts, these can all be really good things, um, and we can live them out in a really bad way. If you have the wrong mindset, being equipped with plenty of time and money and relationships, um, if you're selfish, that can take you down a bad path and lead to a miserable life. If you are not selfish, if you're putting God first in your life and you're putting others before yourself, being equipped with time and money and possessions, that that's something that you can use, actually, to do God's will. So I do think that in this verse, when it says everything good, he wants to equip you with everything good, that does refer to your time. I think God wants to give you the feeling that you have enough time to do what he wants you to do in a day. He wants you to feel like you have enough hours in the day to do his will. I think he wants to equip you uh, with money, even though that may look different than what you were expecting he wants 
most of us, I think, to work and earn a living honestly and fairly. And he wants us also to be content with our level of wealth, whether that is much more or much less than those around us. Uh, So he does want to equip us with money um, in order to do his will. He wants to equip us with spiritual gifts. Those are the things that um, are miraculously given to new believers in Jesus. When we believe in Christ, we're given uh, these abilities to serve God and to serve his church um, in ways that we couldn't before. So he does, God wants to equip us with those things and know how to use our gifts in order to serve his church and build his kingdom. And I think that everything good, that also refers to our relationships. God wants to give us uh, family. He wants to give us friends and neighbors and even acquaintances uh, through whom we can build up the kingdom of God, who we can share the kingdom of God with. So as long as, long as we have the correct mindset of putting God before, uh, but God before us and putting others before ourselves, I think we can ask God, honestly, with this verse, we can ask him to equip us with everything good um, as seen in this passage. So he wants to equip us with everything good. He also wants to work out pleasing things in us. Okay, I get this from that same verse. In verse 20 to 21, it says, Now may the God of peace, skipping forward to 21, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Notice that it doesn't say, you should do things that please God. You should do things uh, that God looks at and he's pleased. You should or you must, you have to do these good things that please God. It actually says, working in us, that God will be working these things in us that are pleasing in his sight. I think that distinction is important because um, it could easily feel like you need to please God in order to be saved. You need to do the right things that please God in order for him to love you. And I don't think that's true at all. And this verse even says that God is working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. So I think that takes some of the pressure off. I think that takes a little bit of the pressure off of us, um, and it puts it onto God. And God is working in us, and he has promised that uh, in in the Scriptures. But what are the pleasing things? What are these pleasing things in God's sight. What, how are we supposed to live? You know, I think there's a lot of things that are pleasing in God's sight, and that's clear throughout the whole Bible. Uh, but if you're interested in a specific place to start studying this stuff in the Scriptures, look for the one another verses. Uh, there's a bunch of verses in the New Testament, specifically, uh, that use the phrase one another. It's all these different verses um, throughout a bunch of different books, uh, from Paul, from Peter, in um, the book of Hebrews. There's all these verses telling us how we should live with one another as Christians, how we should serve one another, how we are to act around one another. And they're all ways that please God. I'm just going to read a few of them because there are a bunch uh, throughout the, uh, the New Testament. In John, it says, love one another. In Romans, it says, be devoted to one another, honor one another live in harmony with one another, build, one, build up one another, accept one another. In Galatians, it says, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, be patient with one another, 
Speak the truth in love to one another. In Colossians, it says, bear with one another, teach one another. And in James, it says, pray for one another, confess your faults to one another. Okay, these are really challenging things, and I feel like they, they might seem like pretty simple. You see one event at a time, you're like, that sounds, that sounds good, I want to do that. But the more you look at them, it's like, this stuff is hard. This stuff is hard to do. It's hard to confess my faults uh, to someone else at church. It's hard to pray for people that I don't necessarily like all the time. Uh, it's hard to bear people's burdens when you don't feel like you know how to do that. Um, it's hard to live in harmony. It's really hard to live in harmony with, <laughs> with one another. So I think these verses are a challenge, and they're supposed to be a challenge to us. Um, but these are the ways we can live in a way that's pleasing to God. Uh, but we don't have to do it in our own strength because God is working these things in us. Uh, so I think a step we can take is to study these verses and just ask God to work these things out in you, even just one at a time. Uh, work on forgiving someone. Work on caring for a believer around you. Work on serving someone else. And God will slowly give these things to us and work them out in us in his time. Uh, if you're interested in those verses, they are kind of scattered throughout the New Testament. But if you search, um, if you search a, do a Google search for one another passages, uh, you can find them. I actually made a link. It's not approved, but I made a link that goes to the same uh, PDF that I found, tinyurl.com slash oneanotherpassages, if you're interested uh, in seeing where I got most of those verses from. Um, so thus far we've seen God wants us to, or God wants to equip us with everything good so that we can do his will. And he wants to work out pleasing things in us. And I think the third thing that the end of Hebrews has for us is this. He wants to give glory to Jesus through us. Okay? In the closing, or in chapter 13, verse 21, it does say, Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. To whom be glory forever and ever. And glory in the Bible, in the New Testament, is kind of a cool, interesting concept that I, I didn't realize it had so many like, complexities in its meaning. Uh, the word glory comes from the Greek word doxa, and it's usually translated in our English Bibles as glory or honor. So a lot of times, if you see in the New Testament, glory or honor, that's coming from the same Greek word. And in one sense, this word can mean this kind of manifest presence that surrounds God, this almost tangible presence that is surrounding Jesus. Um, it's even seen around some angels when they make appearances in the Bible. Um, in Luke 2, verse 9, it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So the glory of the Lord was just shining. It was this presence around the angels. And we see the same thing around Jesus. This word glory is used to talk about what people saw when they looked at Jesus. In John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, the Word being Jesus. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. So glory is this natural thing that Jesus just has around him. It's this presence. It's this manifest 
glory, presence of God. But glory also refers to our response to God, our response to the holiness of Jesus. It's sort of this worshipful praise uh, response that we have. And so in, one, in another sense, we give glory to God as a response. It's something he has, but it's also something we give um, to him. In Revelation 1, 6, it says, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That was just a worshipful response of being confronted with God's presence and saying, To him be the glory. So how can we give glory to God? I think I just want to start... Um, by kind of just using those words in my own uh, devotional life, just kind of saying, to you be the glory. Like, as I'm worshiping, maybe listening to a song or just praying, just telling God, I want to give you the glory. Yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, so God wants to give glory to Jesus through us, and I think that's just one small way we can start applying that um, in our lives. So the three things I wanted us to get today from Hebrews were that God really does want to equip us with everything good. He wants to equip us with good things. He wants to work out in us pleasing things, things that please him. And he wants to give glory to Jesus through us. So let's take a second to apply this in a kind of more real way, just kind of um, think, what did I learn today through the specific passage in Hebrews? So to apply this, I've got four questions. I'm just going to ask a question related to this passage, and I'll kind of just give you my answer that I feel like um, I was sensing is the correct answer based on these verses. Uh, so number one, what does God require of us based on this section of Hebrews? What does he require of us? I think he requires us to do his will. Um, in verse 21, it says, equip you with everything good so that you may do his will. Okay, God does want us to do his will. He wants us to do what he wants us to do. Question two, where and when does God require this of us? Where does he want us to do his will? And when does he want us to do his will? Well, he wants us to do it right here and right now in our current situation. Uh, and I think that's an easy answer that a lot of us know, but it is really easy to, to push off in our minds, push off when we're going to fully commit to the Lord, when we're fully going to start serving God and doing His will. Like, I'll, I will, I'll really start following God once I have, you know, a good job that's paying me well and I have a little more freedom. I'll really start uh, doing God's will. Or once I have kids, or once I am married, once I get that promotion, once I have enough free time, once I do X, Y, and Z. But we know that that's not the case. There's no verse in the Bible that tells you to put off doing God's will in your life until some kind of achievement that you've achieved or some kind of life stage. So God does want us to do His will right here and right now. That's in your current job in your current situation, even if it's a bad situation, your current mess that you're in, he wants you to do his will uh, right here and right now. And this one was challenging for me, even though I feel like I could rattle off that answer easily, like, of course, he wants me to do his will now. Um, but I was challenged by it. 
Um, I'm a teacher. I teach Spanish at an elementary school, and my days go by really, really fast. I've got a lot of classes, and it's just so many kids. It's so chaotic. Um, I feel like I just easily look forward to the end of the day, and I just want to push through, get to the end, and I feel like God was telling me as I was studying this that I need to be a little more present. I need to be a little more focused on what God wants me to do, how he wants me to do his will in my classroom even, even though it feels like it's obviously something that's separate from like my home life or my church life, but God wants us to do his will wherever we are and in whatever situation we're in. Um, So I've got so many students who don't know Jesus and, you know, I am with them a couple times a week. And so how does God want me to exhibit his will? How does he want me to do his will uh, in my class and even when it's a chaotic day? I feel like that was a way he was challenging me specifically. Um, Maybe you can relate to that as well. So the third question, why must we do God's will? Why must we do God's will? I think the answer is that if you're a believer, if you've believed in Christ, you are now a part of God's kingdom of grace, okay? We are not doing God's will in order to join God's family. We're not doing God's will so that he'll like us uh, or that he'll love us. We are already loved. We're already chosen by God. We're already in his family, And when you're in God's family, that's just what you do. You do his will because you're part of the family. Um, I was trying to think of an easier way to explain it than that, but you're in the family. That's what you do. I think we're called to do his will when he invites us into his family. And the last question I have is, how can we do God's will? How can we do that? I think the answer is only, only by being equipped through the Holy Spirit only by being equipped by him. Uh, In Hebrews it said, may God equip you with everything good that you may do his will. It's pretty clear we need equipping, and this verse doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit specifically, but we see the Holy Spirit at work in other books in the New Testament. Uh, He is the one who equips. He does equip uh, with spiritual gifts, and he does empower us, and so without the Holy Spirit empowering you, I'm here to say you can't You cannot fully do what God wants you to do without that. So you do need a supernatural presence in your life. You need to be equipped by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. Because it's not in our own strength. We will fall short every time. Uh, we, We just can't without him. And so that's the only way we can do his will. I'm going to go ahead and invite the band to come back up. And in a second, we'll continue with a few more worship songs. Um, But I'd like to read the last chunk of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews 13, 22 through 25. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. I think the coolest thing I see in this last chunk, the final greetings, is just how important the relationships were to them, the relationships specifically between believers. 
Um, you see that the, the audience that is receiving this letter, they seem to know the author. They seem to know this guy named Timothy, and they're looking forward to be, being reunited. There's people in Italy sending greetings uh, to the church. And so I think these relationships are just so important. And I think that can validate for us how important our relationships as a church are with each other, our relationships with other believers. So I just want to say if you don't feel like you have very strong relationships with other believers, um, I think God wants to prompt you to make that happen, to reach out uh, to other believers. Here at this church would be a good place to start um, because we need to care for each other. There's a lot of things uh, we're called to do for each other uh, in ways we can serve each other, and uh, we're not supposed to do this alone. And so these relationships are for the glory of God, but they're also for uh, your good. And so I just love that about uh, this last part of Hebrews, just the, the close relationships I see. Um, it says, greet all the leaders and all the saints. In verse 24, greet all the leaders and all the saints. If that word saint sounds like a really religious word to you, uh, it's kind of been twisted to mean something that it's not, I believe. Uh, the word saint just means holy or set apart. And if you're a believer, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, then you are holy through Jesus. You are set apart by God for himself. And so if you are a believer, you are a saint. That is not a word uh, that is reserved for someone special who has done something special for God. That word is for all of us. So it says, greet all your leaders and all the saints. Uh, that's all of us who believe. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage you, if you are on the fence about Jesus, if you're curious about taking that next step and believing uh, in Jesus as your Savior, you can be called a saint. That can be you. You can join his family, and he's got wonderful things in store for you. Uh, he wants to equip you. He wants to work out pleasing things in you, and he wants you to give glory to Jesus. Yeah, so I just like to pray and uh, ask God to make the scripture uh, alive in our hearts and, um, yeah, just to empower us and embolden us through the Holy Spirit. So bow your heads and pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for bringing us all here today. Um, thank you for, thank you for salvation. Thank you for saving so many of us. And thank you for the fact that we don't have to work for our salvation, but it's a free gift from you. I thank you that you so freely give that salvation to us. Lord, you are so good. I pray that uh, everyone here today uh, would be strengthened by your word, that this would truly come alive in our hearts, and that uh, we could all be equipped with good things from you, that we'd all have the mindset that wants to serve you first and do your will. I pray that you would empower us and work good things in us and empower us with gifts in order to do your will at our jobs and in our schools and in our, in our families. I pray you to empower us to point people towards you, even when it's difficult. We just thank you so much for each person here. I pray that anyone um, who's accepting you 
today. We pray that you would embolden them um, with your spirit and that you'd empower them um, to share their faith with others. And that, yeah, Lord, that they would uh, just feel totally confident at you and at home in your church. We thank you for your love, Jesus. We thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. In your name we pray. Amen.